Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Good morning, everybody. Um, so Genesis um, is a very familiar book of the Bible to me. Um, I've read it probably more than a lot of the other books in the Bible. Um, and the reason is actually, um, it's very simple. Um, I always start January with very good intentions to read the Bible in a year. Um, so now I'd love to say that I've read Malachi as many times as I've read Genesis. Um, but unfortunately, it's not the case. Um, but nonetheless, I'm back in Genesis this year. Um, optimism levels are running high. Um, so we'll see how we get on. Um, but every time I read Genesis, I'm always struck um, by what's recorded about Noah and Enoch in this book. So Genesis 5.24 says, Enoch walked faithfully with God, then was no more because God took him away. Um, and chapter 6, verse 9 says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So both of these men walked faithfully with God. And what an amazing thing to be recorded about you in the best-selling book of all time. And so walking in the countryside is actually one of my favourite hobbies. Um, I find something incredibly special about just being out there in creation, away from all the distractions. Um, Or when you go walking with someone else, just being able to get lost in conversation with them. Um, So I actually went with a good friend walking and we got so lost in conversation that we actually got lost. Um, (laughs) Or when I was dating Rosalyn, we used to spend uh, evenings walking by the river and that was just such a great time to, to get to know her, get to know her heart, what her passions were, what made her laugh. And I believe this is what it means to walk faithfully with God, to walk in step with the creator, to get lost in conversation with him, to pour out your heart and in turn find out more about God's heart, to walk together with your heavenly father through all the obstacles that life throws your way and to pray earnestly with him. And life will have its wonderful adventures, kind of its mountaintop moments with God, kind of places where being with God just comes naturally. Um, For me, recently that literally involved a mountain Um, So I find walking a fantastic time to pray, particularly when surrounded by incredible scenery, just being with the creator in that. Um, And on a recent work trip to Hong Kong, um, I took some time out over the weekend to go hiking, just me and God. Um, And this this is the view that I had. Um, The scenery in Hong Kong is absolutely amazing. Um, And in that moment, I find it very easy to pray, to praise the creator in the setting that I'm in. But unfortunately, you won't always find yourself on the mountain There are mundane moments in life as well. And for me, the stark contrast was getting back to Manchester, trading that green scenery for a rather grey, cold and wet one, um, waiting in a long queue for my delayed Northern Rail train. So praying in this situation doesn't come as naturally to me. And your mountaintop and mundane moments might be different to mine. So your mountaintop might be at a Christian conference or a church service where you're surrounded by like-minded people who love Jesus. But the mundane reality on Monday is entering an office or a workplace filled with gossip and slander. Or perhaps the mountaintop is a peaceful, quiet place where you can reflect on God, seek his presence. But the everyday mundane is a chaotic household with lots of noise and lots of jobs that need doing. But we're all called to walk faithfully with God, both on the mountain and in the mundane. Psalm 105 verse 4 says, We are to look to the Lord and his strength to seek his face always. So we've just begun a series looking at the different cultures of CCM 
Um, however, this week, as we're about to start the week of prayer, which I'm super excited about, um, I'm going to talk to you this morning about prayer. Um, and prayer is such a vast topic, we can kind of spend a whole series on it, and I still don't think we'd scratch the surface. Um, but this morning, I want to reflect on three areas um, that I hope will help us walk faithfully with God. So these are the importance of prioritizing prayer, remembering the power behind prayer, um, and pursuing Jesus in prayer. And my hope and my prayer is that today we'd all get a bit more excited and passionate about prayer. That we'd get a real sense of the power that is behind our prayers, um, and that we would get a glimpse of how radically different our lives will be as we spend time pursuing Jesus in, in prayer. Um, so I'm actually I'm just going to pray as we start. Um, just Heavenly Father, um, just thank you for who you are, Lord. I just pray that right now you just fill this place, Lord. I pray that you um, open people's hearts and eyes just to, to hear from you this morning um, and just to get a real sense of you and a, a passion for, for prayer this morning, Lord. Amen. So the first point, so the importance of prioritising prayer. So I want you to think about your, your current schedule or your to-do list for a moment. Things that you've got going on this week, um, it might be um, jobs to do at work, activities, hobbies, things like that. And let me ask you the question, uh, where, does, where does prayer sit amongst that list, if you're honest? So is prayer even on that list of things that you've got to do? Um, so if this glass represents your day or your week, and the sand in here is your time, so often we just go about our week or our day, and we just fill it with, with things that might be meeting with friends, catching up for a coffee, watching movies, doing jobs at work. It might be just scrolling social media or being on Netflix. And soon you'll find that your, your day starts getting filled up. Um, and these aren't necessarily bad things, um, but they, they just take your time and you, you can feel exhausted afterwards. And then if I take these stones, if these represent um, kind of things that help build spiritual roots, we find that if we then come to put these in our lives, so this might be going to church on a Sunday or to community group. It might be spending time reading your Bible and it might be spending time in prayer. You soon realise you don't have time to do all of these things, and actually things might get neglected. You might not have as much time to do these as you want. So this morning, I just want to propose something different. If actually we start off by prioritising the things that help us build a relationship with Jesus. So if we prioritise going to, chair, to church, to community groups, spending time with our church family. If we prioritise reading our Bible, and if we prioritise spending time with God in prayer, then we will find that when we then come to do all the other tasks in our day, when we've got a different perspective and a different focus and our focus is on God, we will actually find that we can still fit the things in. And I'm really pleased that that worked. <laughs> you know how much I've been worrying about that. So Martin Luther King once said, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. And I found this to be true in my life as well. Um, I can't say that I've started a work day with three hours in, in prayer. Um, but there have been times when I've had a huge to-do list at work, important things that need being, to be done, things that I'm stressing about. Um, and I've decided to get up extra early, but to just to go to work early. So a couple of hours earlier in work, thinking I'll oh, just a bit more time I'll get these jobs done. And I'm, in a sense, saying to God, I'm a bit busy right now. Let me get on with these tasks that I've got to do, and I'll come back to you later. 
but I spend the day stressed, tense, and I return home exhausted. So in contrast to other times I've got up earlier, but spent that time with God. I've actually got into work the same time as I normally would. And in these occasions, I felt a, a peace from God. My perspective's different on my outlook of the day, and I'm much more effective at work. So usually the first thing that we take off our agenda when we're short on time is prayer. It's often the easiest thing just to bump down that priority list. And usually the repercussions aren't always immediately evident. But slowly, time without Jesus just leaves us drained, and it starts chipping away at our souls. So as the wise Andy Brownlee used to say, this relationship always affects these relationships. Your relationship with God will always have an impact on your relationship with those around you. And this is so true as well. So me and Rosalind have found that in our marriage. The times of greatest blessing in our marriage when we're both in a good place with God. Walking closely with him, prioritising time for him in our day. And the times where we found ourselves bickering over something or being quick to lose our patience with one another. The reason usually always roots back to one of us or both of us not having spent time with Jesus and prioritising prayer. And there are plenty of examples in the Bible of people that prioritise prayer. So Nehemiah, when he did not know what else to do, he prioritised prayer. It says in Nehemiah 1, verse 5 to 6, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Or Daniel, even when a decree had been passed banning people from praying, he prioritised prayer. Daniel 6 verse 10 says, He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. We also read of the prophet Anna in the Gospel of Luke, who never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Or what about Christ's first apostles? When the number of disciples was increasing with huge church growth, and leadership tasks were building up. They prioritised prayer first and foremost. Acts 6 verse 4 says, We will turn this responsibility over to them, as in delegate tasks to others, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. All these people understood the importance of prioritising prayer. And I haven't even got onto the many examples of Jesus. So the Son of God, a member of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the person you'd least expect needed to spend lots of time in prayer. And what do we read throughout the New Testament? Countless records of Jesus withdrawing to a solitary place to spend time with his father. So Jesus only had three years of ministry on the earth, so time was hardly on his side. But he spent most mornings and evenings in prayer with his father. Jesus himself saw the importance of prioritising prayer. It says in Mark, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then in Luke it says, Jesus went up, to a mountainside to pray, to spend the night praying to God. And there's countless more records in the Gospels. The amount of time you spend in prayer shows where your confidence lies. So let me say that again, let it sink in. The amount of time you spend in prayer shows where your confidence lies. So all the people I've just mentioned, their confidence was in God, not on their own earthly abilities. If they thought they could do it alone, they wouldn't have prayed. They were handing their problems to God, bringing them before him, saying, Lord, you are greater than all this other stuff in my life. Please help me. When we put God in his rightful place, it's more likely that everything else that's going on will be put in its rightful place. When we prioritise time with God, time in prayer, our perspective on the other stuff changes and our priorities change. 
So let me ask you this morning, where does your confidence lie? And is that evident in the priority that you give to prayer? Or are there areas of your life that you need to hand over to God to start bringing him your first thoughts rather than the leftovers of your day? So that's the first point. So secondly, remembering the power behind prayer. So Billy Graham once said, in this modern age in which we live, we have learnt to harness the power of the atom, but very few of us have learnt to fully develop the power of prayer. We have not yet learnt that a man is more powerful on his knees than behind the most powerful weapons we have developed. We have not learnt that a nation is more powerful when it unites in earnest prayer to God. Now, do we really believe that? Do we truly believe in the power of God? And do we reflect on the might of our Saviour? So I think the people in the Old Testament seem to grasp this a lot better than us. They understood who they were coming before. So if you take an example in Exodus uh, with Moses and the Israelites. So Exodus 19 verse uh, 10 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Make them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. So God's saying, I'm about to show up. You need to start preparing yourself to consecrate yourself, to set yourself apart. Two days before I appear, you need to be making yourself sacred. And not only that, when I appear, there needs to be a boundary set because you can't come too close because I am a powerful and I'm a holy God. And then it continues in verse 16, says, On the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet blew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up. So just imagine being there. You've prepared your heart for two days. Now God himself has descended onto the mountain. There's smoke, thunder, lightning, and Moses is walking up that mountain to meet God. Like This is unbelievable. The whole ground is shaking because of God's presence. And Moses is about to go and speak with God himself. What's more crazy is we have something even greater than this. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we now have the Spirit of God living in us, dwelling in us. Galatians 4, 6 tells us, because you were his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Meaning we can speak to this God daily, wherever we want. The same God that the Israelites experienced at Mount Sinai, the thunder, the lightning, that power, we can talk with him personally. And what's even more crazy is then we just shrug it off. We seem to have lost that sense of wonder. We don't prioritise it. We don't focus on God and his almighty power. And I'm saying this just as much to myself as to anyone else. This has really challenged me this week whilst preparing this message and reading this passage in Exodus. I reflected on my own attitude to prayer. How can I just come to God with the leftovers of my day just to fire up my list of requests before I go to bed? So I found it really helpful to reflect on this passage and I took time one morning to study these verses and to reflect on the God that I was coming before. And I genuinely did not want to leave his presence that morning. I wished I could have taken the day off just to spend time with him. But as I continued to reflect on these passages on my commute, 
kind of sandwiched between other disgruntled Northern Rail customers. Um, it struck me. The God Moses prayed to on the mountain is the same God in the mundane stuff. The God of, the, of power and might in the epic is the same God of power and might in the everyday. And when you reflect on that truth and you really let it sink in, faith starts to rise. My attitude to work started to change. My problems started to look pretty darn small in comparison. And even my attitude to that cramped train journey started to improve. And there's a fantastic song that I've been listening to recently with really powerful lyrics. Um, it's called Remember by Brian and Katie Tallwalt. Uh, and it says, how quickly we forget the God who lives in every day. How easy to lose sight that you reside in the mundane. How quickly we forget the power that's running through our veins, the kind of power that empties graves. Oh, my soul, remember who you're talking to, the only one who death bows to. That's the God who walks with you. And oh, my soul, you know if he did it then, he can do it all again. His power can still raise the dead. Don't tell me that he's finished yet. Remember who you're talking to, the creator of the universe who called out the stars one by one. That's the powerful God that you're talking to. The God that Daniel prayed to in the lion's den. The God that sent the angel to bind up the lion's mouth to keep him safe. That's the same powerful God we pray to. The God who Jesus prayed to morning and night, who enabled him to heal leprosy, to make the blind see, who walked on water, who raised the dead. That's the same powerful God that we can all talk to. The God who you walk with on the mountain is the same God you walk with in the mundane. And in the same way we need to remember his power, I feel we need to be more open to hear from God, to experience his power at work. If I asked you when the last time was that God answered your prayers, what would you say? So I struggled to think of an answer to that question initially. Um, and I think the problem is twofold. So I think firstly, in our Western culture, we aren't open to hear from God. We're too quick to put things down to coincidence. And secondly, I think we forget what we've even prayed. So we don't recognise it when God answers. So I've been reminded of a story twice this week whilst preparing for this preach. So I feel compelled to share it. Um, but apologies if you've heard it before. Um, so there was once a man living in a village. Um, and one stormy night as the rain came down, a nearby river burst its banks and sent water rushing into the village. Everyone in the village warned the man that he should pack up, leave things, as things were only going to get worse. However, the man was a Christian, so he decided to pray to God. God, I pray you save me from this flood, protect me from this disaster. The next door neighbours packed up their 4 by 4 and offered him a lift as he drove out of town, but he politely declined. It's okay, I've prayed to God, and he will save me. The water levels rose higher and higher. Lord, he said, please save me from this flood. Recede the water levels, I pray. A couple in a canoe paddled on past and offered him a ride out of the village. No, no, very kind of you, but don't worry. I've prayed to God he will save me. The waters rose so high he had to sit on the roof to keep dry. Lord, I'm pretty desperate now. Things are pretty bad. Please save me. I've prayed in faith. Please answer my prayer. But the waters kept rising. A helicopter flew by, scanning the village for anyone left. They yelled down to the man so he could be taken to dry land. But again, he refused. The Lord is with me. He will save me. The man ended up drowning in the flood. And when he got to heaven's gate, he said to God, Lord, why didn't you answer my prayer? I prayed in faith for you to save me, but I died. And God replied to the man, I sent you a four by four, a canoe and even a helicopter. What more did you want from me? So when you pray, are you open to how God might answer? And would you recognize it? So when I planned my walk in Hong Kong, uh, I think we've got a map. There were two variations of the walk. So it started from the same place. 
Um, one was kind of three and a half hours, or you could do an extension uh, around that hill at the top. It took it to about five hours. So obviously, I wanted to do the longer walk. Um, or that's what I planned. What I hadn't taken into account was the, the hour-long queue to get the cable car to the top to start. So I checked my watch when I was at the top, um, and I realized that I was really going to be pushing it to finish in daylight if I went for the longer route. But I really fancied it. So the start of the walk was the same for both of the routes. So I thought, right, I'm going to pray to God. God, which route shall I take? Please grant me wisdom in this decision, which is the wise path to take. And this picture is a signpost I came to. Those at the back that can't read it, one of the paths, which is the shorter route, is called the wisdom path. <laughs> and guess what? So, so I stood there and I still questioned God about it. I said to God, I have a hunch you're telling me I should take this shorter route, but I can't be sure. Are you serious? The sign literally says wisdom path. Matthew 7, 7 to 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. When you ask, be expectant and open for it to be given to you. There is power behind our prayers. So one time on a Wednesday evening when Tunde had come over to pray, he suggested we fire up some short, specific prayers to God. And I used to love praying with Tunde. There's, just, there's some people that just seem to have grasped it, who just get it, and he was definitely one of them. So together we shared a specific prayer for 10 new people at church that Sunday morning. 10 new people through the doors of church. So I was leading worship that Sunday, um, as I can clearly remember standing at the front looking out to count the new faces. And 10. We got 10 new people. Exactly 10. And all I could do was smile at God. But we can be so quick to become sceptical, can't we? Quick to say, oh, it's just a coincidence. Oh, there was only four actual new people. Six of them were visitors. Maybe it's just a coincidence. And I've recently heard it said that when we pray, coincidences happen. And when we don't pray, they don't. Let's be a people quick to recognise the power of prayer, to be quick to pray, and to be quick to recognise the answers to prayer. And let's praise God. And I think we'll all be surprised at the prayers we've seen answers to if we were just better at remembering them as well. So I'd strongly encourage you to write down your prayers. Keep a journal. Write notes on your phone. Stick post-it notes to the fridge. And if you pray together with others, like in a community group, I encourage you to be specific about what you pray for and also to keep a note of it. Because when you get answers to those prayers, your faith and the faith of your community will rise. So finally, pursuing Jesus in prayer. So when I was growing up, um, I used to meet with two of my best mates for accountability. Um, and we would always ask each other, how is your walk with God going? And the default response to that question would always be to assess how much time we spent reading the Bible that week and how our prayer life was. Both good ways to respond. However, on reflection, my answer, and hence my view of my walk with God, was always based on the number of chapters that I'd read. Or whether I was up to date on my Bible reading notes, or whether I'd bought all of my prayer requests before God. Again, in themselves, they're not bad things. However, I'd miss the point entirely. So I'll let you into a secret. Changing your prayer life does not come from trying harder. It comes from seeking Jesus. Again, changing your prayer life does not come from trying harder. It only comes from seeking Jesus. The point of reading the Bible is not to see if you can accomplish reading it all in one year or to recite the Sermon on the Mount. 
And the point of prayer is not solely to bring all your requests to God. The purpose is to seek Jesus. The purpose is to spend time with him, to reflect on his character in scripture, and to have your hearts transformed by him. Pete Gregg, pioneer behind the 24-7 prayer movement, said it wonderfully. The point of prayer is not the power that it releases, but the person it reveals. He said, I don't pray because I'm into prayer. I pray because I'm into Jesus, so we talk. I don't believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of Jesus, so I ask for his help a lot. So is our focus wrong? Are we pursuing prayer because it's prayer and it's seen as the right thing to do? Or are we pursuing prayer because it means we get to spend time with Jesus? Jesus provides a parable in Matthew 13, 44 to 46. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now these two very short parables about discovering the kingdom. It's described as something of enormous value, great treasure and pearls. These men recognize the enormous value of obtaining it and they sell everything to get it. Now the kingdom of heaven is about knowing the king. This is where true joy and real treasure are to be found. And we should adopt the same attitude of these men in our prayer life. When we get a glimpse of Jesus, we should be all in. That's it, God, have all this other stuff. It doesn't matter. I want the treasure. I want the good stuff. I want the pearl. We should be seeking God for who he is and not for what he can do for you. Like as God doesn't want his friends only to be interested in what they can get out of him. He wants you to seek his presence. And if prayer feels like an obligation to us, then I'd argue that we aren't pursuing Jesus. We aren't captivated by the wonder of him. So while on that hike in Hong Kong, I spent the time walking with God, praying, worshipping, reflecting on him. Now don't get me wrong, it wasn't non-stop, so I took some time to admire the view, uh, to eat my lunch, take some photos. But all of that stuff can still be done whilst walking with God. The more I spent time with him, the greater sense I got of his heart for the things I was praying for which in turn made me want to pray for them even more earnestly. I actually found it very helpful to, to pray aloud and imagine that he was physically walking there with me. Um, and I'd be worshipping aloud too, like singing the classic delirious song, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? Um, with the chorus of which you have no option but to belt out with your arms in the air. Now this presents many opportunities for awkward moments, which I found. Um, someone would walk the other way and they'd kind of look around to see where's the other person that you're talking to. <laughs> And then they just give you a strange stare when they realise you're not walking with anyone. But luckily it only happened on a couple of occasions and I found it pretty amusing as well. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord. Spend time with him. And Jesus wants your heart. He teaches us in Matthew 6 verse 6 to 8, When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He's saying, we're here, he's saying here that we need to keep our prayers personal, simple and honest. And God designed us all differently with different personalities, different passions. We aren't meant to all sound the same when we pray. 
And we certainly aren't meant to use long, fancy words because we feel it's the right thing to do. Jesus teaches us to pray from the heart. He's interested in your heart's desires, not on how well you can express them with words. So I've been in prayer meetings before where others are using fancy Christian phrases, long sentences, words that I don't even know what they mean. Um, and I felt pressure to conform to this way of praying and having this in the past spent kind of a long time mulling over what I'm going to say before I even say it, repeating it over again, trying to find the best phrase or the most elaborate words in my vocabulary before I say anything. It sounds crazy now saying it aloud, but I freeze up, feeling the pressure of my choice of words and how people are going to perceive my prayer. But this is not how God wants us to pray. He wants us to open up from the heart to not care about what others think. So do you ever freeze or panic when someone says to you, we're now going to spend some time in prayer together? At CCM, we want to create a safe space where everyone can feel comfortable to pray out, whether that be with friends, community group, at the prayer meeting before, church, or during the service. So I want to reiterate to you this morning, let's chase after Jesus, let's pursue him, and let's speak from the heart. And what does it matter how the words come out? Even if they come out backwards, God looks at the heart. The Father knows what you need before you ask him. And God has given you passions. Pray about those things. It may well be different from the next person, but that's okay. Find something that matters to you and pray about that. And I'll be honest, prayer is not always easy. It can be tough. Waking up half an hour earlier in the morning seems like a great idea the night before, but the reality is very different when the alarm goes off. And have I ever fallen asleep while praying? Yes, I have. But there's grace for that. God sees the heart when we get up early to pray. And it doesn't just have to be in the morning either. You can pursue Jesus on the train, on the way to the shops while cooking. How about taking two minutes away from your desk at work to walk around the office with God and pray? And when we feel in the mundane of life, let Psalm 121 be the prayer of our hearts. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, I could stand here and talk to you all day about prayer, how to pray, why we should pray. But the reality is, praying is not about learning more. It's about doing. We just need to try it, to pursue Jesus and have our hearts changed by him. So I'm super excited about the coming week of prayer. Um, it's a perfect time just to come before God, both by yourself and also collectively as a church. And if you prioritise this time and pursue Jesus wholeheartedly this coming week, then I'm certain you will meet God in incredible ways. But my question for you is, what next? What about that Monday morning after prayer week? What will your attitude be then? The 24-7 prayer time may well be a mountaintop moment for you. So I've often found it in prayer rooms. Um, it's just a wonderful time to meet with God in a really tangible way. But what about when you wake up on the mundane of Monday? So my prayer is that God will stir something in our hearts, that this week will be a catalyst for greater things for this church, a turning point in individuals' walks with God, and that we would see God's power at work, and that we would pursue Jesus more than we have ever done before. So let's get on board with prayer week. Let's get excited for prayer week, but let's not stop. Let's pray for a heart like David, who in Psalm 27, as we heard before, says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. <clears throat>